Father, you have brought each of us here today. You knew exactly who would be gathered. You stirred in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you speak to us, you encourage us, and you brought us here to worship you, to love you, to gather with other people who love you and want to follow you and spur one another on. God, I confess my sin, my shortcomings, my failures, my not peachness to those I love the most in my own home. And Jesus, thank you that I stand in Christ, that you forgive me over and over. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today, Holy Spirit, whatever words that you would have me share, that those would be the words that would come out of my mouth. Also, that you would keep a rain on my tongue and on the stories. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, um, each of us would walk away with something that you're stirring in our hearts that you're saying us today. It is incredible that you, the God of the universe, are omnipresent, that you're here with us, and that you can speak to each one of us. I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you have for us today. When we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I called these few thoughts, and this isn't going to be super long, the parable of the lost phone. On Well, lately, I just cannot keep track of things. I'm just losing stuff all the time. I feel like my brain, I just lost part of it when I was really sick and pregnant, and then when Knox was born, and the trauma, and then now, well, then COVID and leukemia. Anyway, just it's just, I don't think it's coming back. It's, um, it's been too long now. It's just gone. And so, I mean, so many times throughout the day, I, my headphones, my AirPods, I just am always losing them. And, um, and then the same with my phone. But this last week, my phone, on Friday night, I think I lost it for maybe five, six hours, which is significant. And, um, and the weird thing was, I was like, I'm going to be talking about the lost son. God is doing this. God has orchestrated me losing my phone. And um, so I was desperate. I felt uncomfortable. I just felt angsty. I knew that... Um, there were some things I needed to respond to. I didn't like feeling like I was just blowing some things off. And we were looking everywhere for it. Did anyone ever lose a retainer in the trash can? And then like you had to go out to the garbage or whatever and you had to get it. I was like, this is like losing a retainer in the garbage can. And I was kind of, you know, diapers. I'm like pulling out diapers and looking. And um, now... Well, and I also was like, Knox, pray for my phone, because I thought, well, there has to be something about the faith of a child and, like, God answering her prayers, if not mine. Um, so, in the end, it was just under, it was under something. I knew that I had had it, and then Knox and I were playing, and I didn't have it, but I didn't think to go right to that little spot. So, it, it was under, it was covered, found it. And I was so relieved, and I was so happy, um, and it was great. But then I also thought, isn't that interesting? The Bible talks about, in Luke 15, there's the parable of the lost sheep and then the lost coin, which I thought, I'm like that lady with the lost coin. She's like throwing everything around, and then it says she calls her friends, rejoice with me, I found this coin. Um, and then... After that, in Luke 15, is um, the lost son, 
And so there's the picture of this son who doesn't deserve grace, but the father loves him, gives him all this grace. And even when he's far off, that the father is just running after him, is so happy, embraces him, throws a party for him. Um, And I thought, oh, I think that I'm more concerned about my lost phone than I am about people's souls. Like, I think I was more urgently praying to find my phone, and I felt more angsty and upset about that than I do about a lot of people around me who I don't think know Jesus. And um, so that, that was convicting, too. So, um, when I was in college, one of Pastor Matt's mentors was Jerry Root, and um, Jerry's a professor at Wheaton College, um, and he would come and speak to students at Illinois University, which was where I went to school, and um, Jerry would talk about, he just lived this life of walking with Jesus, following him, and always having a list of people in his mind that he was reaching out to and loving and caring and looking for ways to share the love of Jesus with them and to be able to tell people about Christ's love for them. And um, when someone then would become a Christian, then he'd add someone new to his list. I think he always had 10 people. He's highly extroverted. Um, There was also this little course that we did as students called Contagious Christianity, How to Become a Contagious Christian. And that really stuck with me as well. Um, And so I'm going to share a couple of points from that today because I feel like we've just all, we're still kind of in this COVID thing, but we're really, hopefully we're coming out of the COVID thing, but we've been thinking about being contagious a lot. Um, so we know if we didn't want to share COVID with other people, or if we still don't want to share COVID with other people, um, we can keep distance, we can wear masks, we can isolate, contagious COVID, keep distance from people. But if we want Christianity to, Christianity to be contagious, if we want when we go in places to share the aroma of Jesus, the fragrance of Christ, when we enter an environment or a situation, we've got to be close to people. We've got to love them. We've got to live life with them, to walk alongside them, to make our Christianity contagious. And the three kind of points from contagious Christianity is prayer, care, share. I learned this forever ago, but I do think about it often, and especially as Matt has given us those cards of people to pray for. So I'm going to just share um, a couple of stories of how God has done this in my life. First, thinking of prayer. Um, maybe Matt has asked us to pray for two people, so maybe two people is where it's at for us. Maybe there are a few more people. Maybe if you live on a cul-de-sac, it's like, okay, I want to start intentionally praying for the people in my neighborhood, Um, praying that God would soften their hearts, that he would make them curious about him, that they would maybe see a TV show that would make them think about God, that Jesus would show up in a dream to them. Um, We've talked about People can only come to Jesus if the Father who sent them draws them. So we're not the ones that are going to draw people to Jesus. It's going to be the Father. We get to partner with him in this. So 
praying that the Father will be drawing people, um, caring for people, getting close enough to care for people, to meet their needs, and not just praying for their salvation and spiritual things, but praying for things that are hurting them, that are um, that they're dealing with. It's so hard. I think of the Dickinsons. Their next door neighbor is she's amazing. She's an overcomer. She's blind. Um, but they are always looking for ways to care for her, to meet her needs, but even praying that there will be people to advocate for her, that some of the hard things, um, places where her disability isn't honored or things she has to overcome, that God will meet her in that, give her strength, carry her um, through that. Another thing in caring for people, um, so many of you have done really special things for us in this journey of Down syndrome and leukemia. And, um, you've made meals for us. You've given care packages. You've just done so many things. How is it that God has made you to be able to care for people? Something that in the way he has wired you, I think of even Judy. I have a book bag. We've all had um, bags that Judy has made, right? And she says, I prayed for you while I put this together, or while I was using these scraps I had, and I made these little cosmetic bags. I've prayed for whoever would get them, that they would feel loved, that they would know they're loved. I'm not really a cook. I'm not a sewer, but I can buy socks. And I love passing out socks, and I really wanted to have socks for all of you today, but that just wasn't going to happen yesterday. So maybe for Easter, if not for St. Patrick's Day. But um, we've laughed about it this year, but it's like, well, I kind of do have this sock ministry. Like I know how to follow the sales and the coupons at Joanne Fabrics to get them very inexpensively. And then I can take them and I can give them to people. And hopefully that's a reflection that you matter. You are loved. You are celebrated. That's a way that I can care for people is my little sock ministry. And the last part is um, sharing. As you pray and care for people, God will just make you more attuned to what they're going through and what they're thinking about and what their needs are. And I do think that God will open doors to be able to say, I'm praying for you. Um, and maybe even I brought, Aaron, did we bring those books in? Are they in your car? Um, I, I'll bring them up during the last part of worship, but this little book called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, it's really short. It's an easy read. Um, but even if you want to read that and then you tell someone, this book, it was short, but it helped me just remember why I believe what I do. It seems, would you want to read this too? Or I've been thinking about you. Um, or even this scripture has had meaning in my life. And there might even be times where God lets you explain um, I brought this book from college, and I had, this was from my freshman year of college, 1994 to 95, and uh, Jen, do you remember these books? I mean, they're so funny. This is the old Campus Crusade for Christ book. Um, your cost, 350 it says. That seems expensive, but anyway. Um, so I have in here this little napkin. I had met this woman that was on staff with crew, and um, she, we were at a coffee shop, and I loved this girl. She was radiant and beautiful and fun. I just wanted to hang out with her, and, um, and she was asking me questions about spirituality and about Jesus, and I was like, yeah, 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 and she said, um, you know, I don't think God says this, but if you were to die right now, and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you tell him? 
Um, and I was like, and so what I said, she wrote it down. I accepted Jesus as my savior to pay for all my sins. I know you forgave me. I've tried to lead the kind of life you want me to. I've tried, I always would say, try to do what my dad would want me to do. Tried to love others. I've tried to this. I've tried to this. And she just circled the little I right there. And, um, and she said, well, who are you trusting in? I was like, well, Jesus, I've, I've accepted Jesus as my savior. And she was like, well, you know, think about it. Anyway, she just, she circled my little eye and said, well, who are you really trusting in? And I think I became a Christian right then. It was just like, oh, being a Christian, it's transferring my trust to pay for my sins myself or to Jesus. And I think right then in that coffee shop, I was born again of God's spirit, um, Mr. Crumbs. So there could be times that God does that. That it's just a simple conversation and explaining this concept and that someone's life has changed. Um, so I'm going to share two quick little stories. Something that I've done in thinking of prayer and care and share was, um, is if there are, like when I go to Walmart, I love Walmart. Not everyone loves Walmart. It's a representation of America. <laughs> Everything's made in China. We're all there for a good little saving our dollars, people from the university as well as people not from the university. Um, so I'll just pick one clerk and then I'll just always go to that same clerk that's there. So I've gotten to know people that have worked there. Some of you at a Galentine's party a few years ago, I can't remember her name, it was crazy. This girl that came, she had been my clerk at Walmart, and that's how she ended up at the Galentine's party. And then I had a picture of her sister on my bulletin board because her sister had been involved in Young Life. And it was like, whoa, I bet I'm not the only person praying for you. Um, but I also have done that with getting my hair cut. And so even after I moved to Bloomington, I would go to my hometown and I would get my hair cut because I knew this girl, Amy, and I really loved her. And um, so Amy, I would make appointments. I would have my hair cut with Amy and I would always, I mean, we were friends anyway, just have conversations, talk and um, praying for her, would try to talk about spiritual things. She didn't really want to talk about spiritual things, but I just loved her and kept going back. Um, I remember I gave her this book one time. I don't think she ever read it. It was faith. It's not a feeling. Yeah. And um, then one day when I went to get my hair cut, Amy said, you know, Sadie, I was talking to Missy Bradford and she said you told her how to be saved. And I want you to tell me how to be saved. And I was like, well, okay, that's why I've been coming here for the last few years, you know. So after she had a salon in her house, so after she cut my hair, then we went and we sat at the at her kitchen counter and I just shared about grace and putting our trust in Jesus to pay for our sins and she prayed to receive Christ and um, was wild. And that was the Lord that did that. That wasn't me. It was him drawing her and I just got to be a part of that. Um and she, I think she and her family, they're followers of Jesus. They had nominally gone to church, and I think now they're committed followers of Jesus. And I also, with my dad, this is really sweet. If you have people in your life that you think there is no way that that person would become a Christian, that would be my dad. I've shared a little bit here before you've heard, but 
I mean, could just take the Lord's name in vain like nobody's business. I didn't get to go on the Christian retreats in high school because I had a commitment to be at my cheerleading games. And um, even though, like, the basketball team, like, some of them would miss sometimes for the retreat weekend. But I was a cheerleader. Um, Christmas, I remember he got mad at me and then didn't let me go to church on Christmas. So it just... And he had grown up going to parochial school and didn't have a great impression of all of that. Um, So when I became a Christian, in this little book, uh, it says, list five people you know who you can begin praying to come to know Christ. Number one, Erica, that's my best friend. We went away to college and we were like, we were not the two people you would have thought were going to graduate college following Jesus. We were nuts and boy crazy. And Erica, God brought Christians into her life when she was in college. She was down at Southern Illinois. I was at Northern Illinois. Erica became a follower of Jesus. I did too. She's walking with God. Number two, my dad. And my dad would have been Papa Tim Dog Knox. We would not have thought that my dad was going to become a Christian. Um, so, prayer, care, share. I started praying these verses for my dad. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. God, will you draw my dad to yourself? Will you make him see that you are the way, the truth, and the life? First um, Timothy 2, 4. God desires for all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of him. Okay, God, I know that your desire is for my dad to be saved. Draw my dad to yourself. Let him come to a knowledge of you. First um, John 5, 13, 15, if we ask anything according to God's will, we know that he hears us. We can be assured that he, I'm messing the verse up, but um, okay, God, I know this is your will for my dad to come to know you. I am asking you, so God, thank you. Thank you that my dad is going to come to know you, that he is going to believe in you and follow you. And there was a time... Um, Also, I was going to be a missionary. I mean, my dad just thought that was nuts. I'd been a good student. I'd had a great internship. Like, he, we loved to shop. We'd be shopping. My dad would be like, well, you'll never be able to afford that. Um, I was, like, having to buy modest clothes to go on my little trip with crew. My dad was, you know, he's like, help me pick out a one-piece swimsuit and shorts that come down past my fingertips, you know. Um, Just thought it was so weird. And... At one point, I remember being down in the laundry room at his house, and I think it was during the time I was raising support, and I felt like God said, Sadie, like, you see how I have worked in your life during this short time. I've been pursuing your dad his whole life. I've called you into full-time ministry. That's part of me calling your dad to myself, because the fact that this is your job, it's like in his face all the time. And I was like, whoa, like God's been pursuing my dad. And I don't have moments where I feel like God's speaking to me all the time, but that was one of them. And um, so caring for my dad, um, I went to join staff with crew and my dad, we didn't know how to process grief in my family. So when my mom died, I think my dad's heart broke and he never knew what to do with it. Um, then his parents were going through a lot anyway. My dad got to the point where he, he wasn't sleeping for a few months, started having hallucinations. He admitted himself into the psychiatric ward in my hometown. And um, my dad's brother was just so overwhelmed. He just wanted me to come home and take care of my dad. He, I was out in Colorado at training for crew. 
And um, I had gotten to know a pastor in my hometown. I didn't grow up in church in my hometown, but I'd gotten to know this pastor, and I called him, and I said, my dad is in the psych ward. Could you go visit him? Because in the hospital, you couldn't have visitors, but the pastor could go. And so my dad had never met Pastor Dan before, but Dan went to meet with my dad. And my dad just opened up to him and trusted him and really liked him. And so then after my dad got out of the hospital, Dan just kept meeting with him and visiting him and pursuing him. So I was far away, but God's people started to care for my dad. I had already shared the gospel with my dad, prayed with my dad. Um, He had seen my life change. The very fact that I then chose to go into ministry and not have as much money or be able to buy those things, you know, whatever. Um, The way I dated changed, who I dated changed. So one of my good friends that was a believer, he wrote my dad this really cool letter about following Jesus and how Jesus was his best friend. And and my dad's like, Dave wrote me a letter about him and Jesus. Um, And then my friend Sunshine, she led music at the church. And so she invited my dad to come because she was leading music. So my dad started going to this church. And I think it was just his life had been a wreck, and so he just was so afraid, I think, so overwhelmed. Started going to this church, and the people were really great, and they loved him. So my dad got in a Bible study. It was Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, which that Bible study also changed my life. It had changed Aaron's life. And so my dad did the whole thing, but I still didn't think he was a believer. And I love thinking of this woman. Karen Pemberton was his first Bible study leader. So my dad, um, he went to sign up for the next Bible study, and my pastor called him into his office and said, hey, Tim, let's talk. And so he said, you know, have you put your faith in Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And my dad said, well, I have some doubts. And um, so they were talking through his doubts and his fears. And, and something that Pastor Dan read to my dad was about Jesus talking to Thomas and saying, you know, it's okay. Like, We call him Doubting Thomas, but Jesus didn't call him Doubting Thomas. Jesus just revealed more of himself to Thomas and showed him his hands and his nail scars. And um, so so my dad, Pastor Dan, had him pray and invite Christ in his life to pay for his sins. And he didn't give him like a rehearsed prayer to pray. He just had my dad pray. And my dad said, God, I want to be part of your family. And um, so that night they called me and, well, Dana tried to call me. Anyway, when I talked to my dad, he's like, well, I joined the church today. (laughs) And I really was like, well, I can just die now. My work on earth is done. Um, But it was such an example of praying for my dad, asking God to work in his life, caring for my dad, seeing God's people because it doesn't have to just be us praying. It doesn't have to just be us caring. Um, And then my dad hearing the gospel through Pastor Dan, through the Bible study, through these people at church, and me talking to him as well. Uh, Something that was really cool, John 14, 6, when it's Jesus said to him, the him is Thomas. And then Pastor Dan that day, when my dad said, well, I have these doubts, he read to him about Thomas. And way back when my dad was a young kid in Catholic confirmation, his confirmation name was Thomas. Um, So it was such an affirmation of God always had this plan to work in my dad's life. And I'll tell you what, I think without Jesus and thinking of that Luke 4 passage that Jesus 
he, um, he brings freedom, he brings sight, he brings healing. That is the Jesus that we know, that we love, that we are known and loved by, and that my dad is known and loved by. Um, well, I think my dad for sure would be dead if it wouldn't be if it wouldn't be for that, if it wouldn't be for Jesus, if it wouldn't be for Jesus' people. And I don't think I would be here in this capacity either. I think my heart just would have, um, would have broken. So I am so grateful to be known and loved by Christ. And I want that for other people too. And we know that that's what Jesus wants. And so um, the motivation isn't I don't know, just to be on some mission. The motivation is, is love, that we've experienced the love of God, and we want that for other people as well. Um, so the little words, prayer, care, share, easy to remember. We want our Christianity to be contagious, even when we often think of contagious as being a bad thing. We want our Christianity um, to be contagious, and that is a good thing. And um, we want God to work in our hearts so that we're more urgently praying and caring and entering, entering in with people more desperately than we are than when we lose our phone. The parable of the lost phone. You can remember that as well. So I'm going to pray for us, and then Bill is going to come and lead us in communion. Father, thank you that no one can come to you, Jesus, unless the Father that sent you draws them, and that we each have a story of the way that you have drawn us to yourself, that you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and you've brought us into the kingdom of your Son that you love. Thank you that we stand before you loved, blameless, holy, accepted, forgiven, and delighted in. You delight in us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, give us faith to trust you, that you want to work in other people's lives, that you are at work in other people's lives, and it's a gift for us to get to be involved in that as well. So open our eyes to see who you want us to come alongside and love and to share your love with. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.